You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. We have a family-ish panel for you right now, and uh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun, so make sure you lean in, maybe take some notes. I do want to warn you, parents, if you have younger children in here, we are going to be talking about SEX tonight a little bit. So if you're a little bit nervous about that, you know, we have a great kids program. Uh, I think they're even getting pizza tonight, which is cool. So you can send them over there. But uh, you've been warned. And uh, (laughs) right now we're going to get into it. I want to welcome up our panel, my beautiful bride, Charles and Tessa Fuller, the De Lorenzos. Where are they? Tony and Lisa De Lorenzo. Come on up, guys. How good is this? Oh, it's going to be fun. So quick intro. Charles and Tessa Fuller. Most of you guys probably know them. They've been here how long? Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. They are like um, famous in our church for being incredible, having an incredible marriage and being incredible parents. And uh, they have helped so many people over the last 10 years at our church. So I'm excited to hear from you guys tonight. And then we have Tony and Alisa. Alisa. Uh, De Lorenzo, and uh, I don't know why I'm having trouble saying that, Um, but these guys are also famous for marriage within our church, but they also have the number one podcast in the world, not San Diego, in the world marriage podcast, so they deal with thousands of marriages every single year and uh, are a great couple as well, so we have some serious gold up here, so let's all make sure that we are listening. I'm going to move back. I feel like, I know. Hi, guys. Our backs were to you, sorry. <laughs> they all waved. That was nice. So it's going to be a really amazing night, and thank you so much, worship team. I think we should thank the worship team again. Yeah. Oh, the atmosphere in here is just so, so epic, and uh, we're excited for tonight. Right when we knew this was the last week of family-ish series, we knew we wanted to do a panel, and we knew we wanted to tackle some of these topics, and I guarantee you there will be something in it for you tonight. So we're going to be hitting, we're literally going to be starting from... We're, we're going to make this work, guys. We are going to do this. We're going to get through parenting littles mm-hmm. to, so raising, raising littles into when or if and how do we have the sex conversation with them to how do we train them how to date. And then we're going to get into how to keep passion alive in intimacy in your marriage. So we're literally going to go from baby till making babies. Till eternity. <laughs> <laughs> To making babies, yes, and beyond. There we go. Some of you are going to learn how your parents actually think. Come on. So that yeah. might help you be a son or a daughter, Take actually. Notes. Wow. So, uh, it's anyways. Gonna be, it's going to be really incredible. So you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, and I do think you should take notes. I really, really yeah, think yeah. you all should take notes because the gold and the wisdom that's going to be coming off this stage tonight, you, if you don't need it now, you will need it at some point in your life. Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready? Yes. yes. Let's do this. Okay, Fullers, so no pressure. John kind of announced you as being famous for your parenting. Um, and it is true. They're incredible parents. Um, we know that 
even when you're famous for your parenting, there are mistakes that are made in this and that. But we do want to actually honor and acknowledge the fact that you have raised such amazing daughters, amazing kids, and helped raise a lot of us <laughs> in the church as well, um, helping with our young adults and such. But So I want to pick your brain and get some wisdom from you guys on this. So the first question I want to ask you um, is, what are the unique roles and responsibilities for a mother and a father in the home? Going first? No, ladies first. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, so since it's ladies first, I'll start with moms. I'll keep it really quick and simple. I moms are the glue, right? Moms are the glue in the house. Moms know where everything is, right? They know where every kid is at every time, whether they're in the home and it's a toddler or it's a teenager and they're out. They know where they are. But because moms are the glue, I have always decided that in my home, I'm in charge of the atmosphere at my house. So that means mostly for me, my attitude. My attitude towards life in general and definitely my attitude towards this guy. Because we Amen decided <laughs> we decided to be counterculture and I'm gonna make him the hero in our home wow. as opposed to what you do see in culture most of the time. So, good. so that means, I mean, Proverbs 31 says it, right? Like he is supposed to be respected and admired in the marketplace. If I am like killing him at home with my words, then how is he going to be respected and admired when he walks out of that house? Hey guys, for, uh, for fatherhood, um, for me, it just goes back to Genesis. And uh, what I mean by that is God was the first father and we're all his sons and daughters. And he provided two things that stood out to me, provision and protection. So provision, provide leadership, provide vision for your family. Show them a model of how to love their mother. And then protection, you know, protection by being the spiritual leader of your family, leading your family to church, and then warning them. Because just like in the garden, they had everything. The father gave them everything, but he gave them a warning. And so as a father, that's my job, is to protect, to provide, to warn, to guide. And even when they fall astray and I say, where are you? I go after them. And I build them back up. I bring them back into the family unit. So you just follow his lead and you can't get it wrong. Very good. I think that deserved like a little bit of a round of applause. So I don't know. And feel free to jump in anytime, you guys, with, with this. But um, so we, we know that there's, in the ideal home, there's the mother and the father. And so... But what do you do when you're a single parent? How do you provide what your children need? Because so many of us in here are raised in single, single parent homes and a lot of us are single parents in here. So how do you provide both of those aspects if you are a single parent? No, it's a great question. Uh, how many single moms do we have just in the audience? Raise your hand. I admire you, I respect you, you are incredible. And uh, I'm the product of pretty much a single mom. And so I just looked back and I said, you know, how did my single mom throughout all the marriages and divorces, how did she raise up a son? And for me is uh, she led me to church. Every single Sunday, my mother drove me and my grandmother and my brother to church for 18 years. So she knew I needed that spiritual guidance from the Heavenly Father. Two, she allowed me to play every sport there was. She didn't hold me back from becoming a man. I mean, riding BMX bikes, no helmets, jumping each other. I still got a scar on my knee from Nerf football, sliding across the concrete, bumps and bruises, uh, had an arrow, BB gun, shooting everything in sight. But she let me be a young man. 
And then uh, the, the coaches taught me what I didn't get from that father figure in the home. And then on top of that, friends that my mom had. I'll never forget Charlie the jeweler. I was the shyest guy in the world. I didn't ask anybody out for a date. I was just school, sports, weight room, repeat. And so my senior year, she took me to Charlie the jeweler and she said, I need you to teach him confidence, how to look somebody in the eye, how to properly introduce himself, how to have confidence so that he can enter that world out there. So even if you're a single parent and you don't have that other part, get them around good godly people, people that can inspire them, people that can build them up. And so, mom, I thank you. You might be listening, but I love all you single moms. You've got what it takes, and this church will partner with you. Amen. Very good. Amen. So, Charles, on on that topic, because you didn't have a father, you are a great father to your two little girls, and you're in a a home with some sparkly ladies, (laughs) but you're still like the eMERGE man. And so how have you um, been that father for your daughters, even though you didn't have a father to, to look up yeah. to? You kind of touched on it, but... Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I was reflecting back, and it's really one thing. It's perspective. You know, because, you know, if you ever, all of us have a journey of what our parents did or didn't do, right or wrong. And it's all your perspective, whether that's going to mar you for the rest of your life or you're going to win from every single trial and tribulation. The, the Bible says count it all joy. So if you can have that perspective. So for me, you know, my dad committed adultery. I learned how to be faithful. Married 23 years this coming February. My second father figure was a, a workaholic. He thought just providing money was all his responsibility. And that led to a divorce. So I had balance. When I was a Marine for 20 years, I wore the uniform, I slayed the dragon during the day, I changed into civilian clothes, and I was a husband when I came home. So having balance. The other father figure was uh, he let vices control him, alcohol. And uh, I learned to not let anything control me, have self-control. There's a lot of temptation out there, but don't have any vice that controls you and ruins your family. And then the fourth one uh, was full of pride and ego. To, so stay humble. That's how you counteract that. So that's all I did. I just changed the perspective. And I look back, and it's like I, I don't really have any regrets because God was building me to be a great father by seeing examples of what I'm not going to repeat. So that's how I did it. Wow. I love that. It's incredible, Charles. And I think I've said this before, but um, it may sound strange coming out at first, but I'm actually really grateful for for your upbringing as one of the the main leader of our men's merge ministry because you actually had the perfect example, our Heavenly Father. You were driven into the arms of the Heavenly Father for Him to train and teach you from the perfect Father. And so it's just such a beautiful thing, like the redemption story of God, what He can do in and through your life. So your past and your upbringing can't be used as an excuse. We have to allow it to heal us, to transform us, and help us be the people that God has called us to be. It's amazing. God works all things together for good. Have that perspective. Amen, amen to that. Um, and just really quickly before moving on, I just, when he was talking about even just his training growing up, how, what was modeled to him, that scripture came to mind. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. But what if you were trained incorrectly? You will not depart from it unless you allow God 
to, through his word, through wisdom and counsel, to actually go, was I trained well? Was I trained properly? Or do I need to be retrained so I can depart from the things that I was raised with? So, yeah, just really train, being trained up in the way you should go. It needs being trained up in the ways of the Lord. <laughs> amen to that. I'll so amen good. myself. Amen, babe. Yes. Praise God. We got to start <laughs> implementing that. Um, so how do, you, how do you identify and shape character development in kids? Because I know you guys have a strategy, and De Lorenzo's feel free to, free to jump in, as well as maybe comment on discipline and when, when is that needed and the benefits and that sort of thing. Great question. I read once, and it really impacted me when I was a mom of really young babies. It said, what do you think the most important leadership role in the world is? And you immediately, like, ask yourself, what's the most important leadership role in the world? You're thinking, like, the most successful businessman, maybe the most influential pastor. It's none of, maybe the president. It's none of those things. It's being a good parent. Wow. If we're all the most excellent parents we can be, we will have the biggest impact on this world. So, so I think it's two things. I think it's being intentional and being purposeful. And if you are just those two things, you're going to mess up, but you're going to be intentional. You're going to teach it in everything you do. You're going to go put that shopping cart back where it goes, even though you don't have time, because it's the right thing to do, right? When your kid walks up and says, can I have this? And you say, no, you don't just go sit it aside. You make them walk it back to where it goes, because that's the right thing to do. So I think that um, teaching character is just, in, in kindness, it's just in every single thing that we do. I'll just echo that. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We just... We look for opportunities where our kids, we could sew that in. And I may date myself, but uh, I used to love, when you don't really have a good father figure, uh, leave it to Beaver. And you remember Ward Cleaver that would sit on the bed every night, talk to his boys. And uh, so that's kind of what we did with our girls. Is like we used to ask the question, you know, what did you love about your day and what did you learn? You know, what were the challenges and the trials and the tribulations and who said something and how did you react and just kind of shepherd their heart and give them wow. ideas of how to respond to things happening in their world all the way through their, you know, teenager and preteen right now. But uh, you got to give them some room to, to go out there and see if they're going to apply your wisdom or they apply their own wisdom, but continually shape their heart, their character, pick them back up when they made a mistake and just encourage them to go again. Very good. Pastor John talks so brilliantly about family dinners. I mean, that's where it's all done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Family dinners. Well, and I was just going to add that, you know, discipline doesn't end when they're little, right? When they right. get into, like, elementary school or things like that. We've got two teenagers. And it just looks different. It looks different. But you keep doing it, and you keep doing it because it's, at some point in time, I mean, we're a year and a half from Alex graduating from high school. At some point in time, he's going to be out. Yeah. Very soon. And so does he have the tools because of what he's learned, because of what he continues to hear, because of the conversations, the hard conversations that you have yeah. to correct. It, it, you know, we don't get a pass once they get into school. And I imagine they get a little bit harder as they get older. It's different. It's different. It's different. They have an opinion. Yeah. Right? It's definitely different. I would say for me, um, when you mess up, because I think we'll all mess up at one point in time, being a parent, I mean, I'll be the first one to raise my hand there. Um, I, I learned at, at a point with my kids to come to them and ask for forgiveness. And, and, you know, what was the character that I want them to see me? Because 
I'm not perfect. And I, I'd be lying to say I'd stand up here to say I am perfect. But just going to them, and, and I can remember to both of my kids having to ask for forgiveness of just blowing up in anger and stuff and just really having to learn that and allowing God to, to touch my heart so I wasn't holding bitterness against them or Elisa for something that may have happened in the house. Well, my goodness, you're teaching your children how to apologize, which so few people know how to do well these days. And I mean, just discipline, I just feel like the consistency. I think a lot of times as, as parents, like we tolerate so much that we don't like, and then all of a sudden the one day we're just over it, like we freak out yeah. on yeah. them. So it's like what you tolerate, you teach. Yeah. And so do I want to, you know, so we have to be very consistent in our parenting. Is it ever okay to behave that way? Well, if it's never okay, then every time it happens, you need to address it. But what we do is we're too tired and we just ignore, 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 and then we build up frustration, then we blow up. And it's like, well, that's not going to teach them anything. So we've got to, whatever we're going to choose, we want to develop in them, we've got to be consistent Always. in it. Or else yeah. they just don't understand. Now you're just angry and you have, they have no idea why you're that angry. Yeah. So it's the consistency in your parenting um, that you really need to be able to manage well to develop that character in those kiddos. I feel like you're talking about me right now. Why? <laughs> wow. Well, you do do that sometimes. I have had to say sorry as well, Tony. Um, <laughs> Because I do do that. I, I've done that numerous times. Is you know you yeah. just hold it in and then you get angry and then, but I do I do say sorry to my kids and it and it does actually build a bridge in a sense and it get does. you closer to them and they realize that hey even daddy makes mistakes or, yeah. or whatever and so it really has opened up conversation and because I want them to be able to tell me anything yeah and me not blow up uh, blow yeah. up at them uh -huh. yeah and so um, I think it's important to keep that conversation yeah and the Bible says if you don't discipline your child you hate them. Yes. There, if you want to Google, or got, I Google like Bible verses about discipline, and there is like 30, I don't, I don't want to guess the number because I'll get it wrong. In Proverbs, so much talk about discipline yeah. um, and, and, and how we need to be uh, disciplining and shaping our children because eventually they are going to grow up and leave the house, and your work is kind of done. I mean, obviously, they, hopefully they respect you and you can still speak into their worlds, but you have very little time to shape and mold these beautiful children into adults that are shaping the future. Yeah. And so um, I would actually just, because we could, we were talking about how we could spend 45 minutes talking about discipline. Like, I love discipline. I, I could go on and on about needing to discipline your children. I want to discipline all the children. It's not cute, guys. Your kid's not that cute. Like, no. They should not be able to behave that way. Um, but if you are a parent, like, search the scriptures on what the Word of God says about discipline. You cannot spare the rod. You will, it's like you hate your child when you don't teach them and train them and show them the way that they should go. Absolutely. Well, we, we have a lot to cover. I want to yes. get to the next question yes. really quickly. Um, speaking of tough conversations, perhaps, um, at what point have you guys, and what strategies did you guys use when around the sex topic of your kids as they grew up? Because we are in a sex-saturated world, and mm -hmm. kids have devices and TVs and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So when did you guys start that conversation, and how much or how little did yeah. you talk about? Dive in, guys. Dive in. Well, we... I mean, because we've had the podcast for, it'll be 10 years in January. Um, our kids have, thank you, whoever, whoever would. Um, the one person that listens, yay. Um, it's all good, it's all good. But our kids have only known a world, a home where sex has been something that we've talked about. And so we've been, you know, since they were, I mean, 
they're about to be 17 and 14, so you know, we started pretty young. But we made a decision really early that we were just going to be transparent and ask their, answer their questions whenever they asked them. And, and I distinctly remember one night sitting around one of those family dinners um, when our daughter you know, just very, very nonchalantly said, well, I learned about sex today. Okay, so this is where you don't freak out. Because in second grade, you could be thinking all kinds of things. And so it was just kind of one of those things. Oh, okay, so, so what did you learn today? And her response was, well, mom, it's when a man and a woman are under the covers kissing. And I was like, oh my gosh, so close. It's actually a husband and a wife. But all the rest of that, because you're in second grade, that works. And of course, I mean, over the last, you know, 10 years, we've had many, many different conversations. And I will say this about the sex conversations with your kids. It's not a one and done conversation. And you've got to be the ones having it because just like that second grade conversation, I will tell you, we've heard a lot of things come home from the schools. And if you are not your child's first line of instruction when it comes to sex ed, um, you, you don't want to, you don't want to leave that to chance. Right. Yeah, it's literally said that it's human nature that whatever we hear first, mm-hmm. we, we believe is fact. Yeah. And then everything we hear after that, we measure to the first thing we say. So we've got to be the first one that talks to our kids about these things. So that way, that way when they're at school and they hear that, they're like, mm, nah, that's not right. Because that's not the first thing I heard, yeah. which was from the source, right? So Charles has always said, we are the Google. We are your Google. You come and you Google it right here first. We will talk about it before you go Google anything else. So, and I think that's for us. It's it's age appropriate. You know your child as well. It's like you don't want to do the too much too soon and shocking. I know the Fullers actually gave us the book they used to to talk to their girls about it, and they gave it to us. And we decided when. the boys turned 10, we would have the conversation. And so we knew enough to not have the conversation when they were 10 and nine, because then they would just giggle and laugh the whole time. And, um, and so we, we read this book, and here's the thing, it didn't, it wasn't too much, it was called How Babies Are Made. And so it, it just talked about biology and all these things. So it didn't get into, you know, the intimacy and, and you know, the sexual pleasure that's supposed to come in the marriage relationship and all of that. So it was just enough for them to understand. So when their friends came to them and said things like, when you kiss, spit goes down, and then it makes a baby in your belly, which we did here from one of our children. So, so it's, it's, so they, they knew. They knew exactly what the truth was, and they knew they could come to mom and dad, and when they had a question, we would answer it with the truth. And it was so funny, because I actually had the first conversation with our, our first son when he turned 10. We, John had the kids elsewhere, and I just really wanted to have that conversation. I don't know if that's wisdom or not, but it went really well. Um, <laughs> gave him ice cream and a blanket, and we sat on the couch, and we read the book together, and so if he got embarrassed, he would cover his head, and he would like laugh and scream, and then he'd just eat ice cream nervously. And so, so we read this book together. And why I'm sharing all this is because it's, it has to be age appropriate. Because if I started to tell him about pleasure and what God designed for your sexual relationship, he would have lost his mind. Because he was grossed out at the fact that John and I had had sex three times to create three children. He was just like, couldn't believe it that we had done that three times. And so when, when... As he should, right? I mean... So it's like, you know what, we don't need to get, like, that was enough. That was enough for him. And then it was so cute. Because I remember when I was like, I was like, well, do, you, you know, one day, you know, he goes, well, I'm just going to do it once. Just once. Because I just, I want to have a kid. And I was like, well, don't you want more than one kid? And he's like, okay, fine, twice. I'll do it twice. <laughs> so, 
And what was so cute after, we were like, you, you have to keep this a secret from your brother who's 12 months younger than you. Cause it was like, this is a conversation mommies and daddies have with their children, not friends at school. So if a friend asks you, you say, go talk to your mom and dad. And then, and then when we said, he's, he's too young for, you know, when he's 10, we're gonna have this conversation. If you can believe it, he kept it in an, a secret for an entire year. And he said, yeah, mom, he is not ready for this conversation. <laughs> and then, and then John was like, babe, I'm having the conversation with our second. And I'm like, really? Like, I really, it was so fun. And he, and he was just like, I'm having it. I'm like, fine. And then when he told our firstborn that he was, John was about to have the talk with our second, he was like, dad, you should totally let mom do it. She is so good at it. <laughs> but apparently John was amazing as well. And they had a, a more um, jovial conversation. I took notes with some of the funny stuff he said. I man, know, we won't so share good. all that. But anyway, but so we, we got it. But, but we have to be their, their Google. They have to know that they can come to us and ask their questions because the world's version of it, we don't want our kids knowing. They're being indoctrinated and trained to be these over-sexualized children that are encouraged to experiment with the curriculum that they are growing up in today. If you don't know anything about it, you need to, to look into it. They are encouraging our children to experiment with same sex, opposite sex, take, take baths together, this and that, to experiment. Like, this is what the world is teaching them. So if we are not telling them the truth, they're not going to find it out there. And we need to get, get to them first before the world gets to them. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, I want to move on to the next question. Sorry, I love that okay. topic. Um, so one of the things we want to talk about is dating, because oh. I believe I believe there's some, some single people around here that All the single people date. say, hey. Hello. Okay, let's do this. Because um, healthy dating could lead to a healthy marriage, right? And so, and, and healthy family. So the Fullers have been helping our young adults um, learn how to do... Learn how to do life. I think you guys call it adulting. So they've been, they've been helping with that. And so I w we just wanted to kind of throw it yeah. out there and ask you guys, what are some of the healthy things that you've seen in dating and maybe some of the unhealthy things that you're seeing in dating? Yeah. How Tell can us. we date better? Yes. Um, all right, well, I'm going to speak really boldly, okay? Because, I mean, let's just do it. Um, all right, I'm going to talk to the ladies. You can talk to the guys. I'm going to talk to the ladies. Um, ladies... I need, you need to, okay, I, I'm, I am, I'm going to be bold. You need to stop being desperate to be married. Okay? You're in your 20s, and you're coming up to the altar, and you're just, you're desperate to be married. What is wrong with me? Like, and I just want to tell you from, like, my mom heart, my pastor heart, everything, like, your value does not come from having a ring on your finger. Like, your value needs to come from your relationship with God, being a daughter of the king, and what that looks like. And so I love it because we have healthy young adults in this church. Yes. And as we're growing, the ones that are healthy are going to continue to teach, you know, the new ones that are coming in. They, that you can be, you know, a, a hot, good-looking um, successful young lady and be going after God and be going after what he wants you to do, busting ceilings in your life. I'm telling you, the confidence that comes from that yeah. is what's going to bring your husband wow. to you. Yeah, for the men, um, man, so many things, so little time, but uh, number one, I just say uh, seek mentorship. You know, it's, uh, you need people in your life that'll tell you what you need to hear. And you gotta get yourself right first. 
Because I looked at it as like, you know, the moment I'm willing to invite a young lady into my life to be my running mate for the rest of my life, till death do I, I part, that is one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life. Yeah. So I had to ma- need to make sure my foundation was solid first yeah. before I could add someone into my life. And so just being in church alone, uh, being in a connect group, having mentors in your life with fruit uh, on their tree in various areas, seek mentorship. Don't learn the hard lesson on your own. That's the worst way you could go. And then don't get all caught up that you've got to have it all figured out. You know, I, I looked at it as like when you find the one, make sure that it's someone that has the same vision, the same values, that wants to run in the same direction. And so I, I bought a book. I invested because, you know, I, I, I didn't know what questions to ask when I was dating. And it was a book like a thousand questions. And it was like, how many kids? Where do you want to live? What's your family dynamics like? Tell, if it's a lady, tell me about your father. You can learn a lot about a woman, about how she's going to view you by that one question. So it's like invest in becoming the best you. Make sure you're running in the right direction. Seek wisdom. Do premarital. Yeah. Before your wedding's like two months down the road. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay, I would love to see more people do premarital before you get engaged. Our premarital um, um, curriculum here is amazing. So do it because like our premarital coaches are amazing and they'll sit down with you and they'll show you what to do. And then that way, if there's things you decide, oh, I want to get more healthy in this area before I, you know, put a ring on it and start planning a wedding, then what? now you have all the time in the world to do that. You know, and last thing I'll say is just I can only speak out of what worked for me. You know, uh, as a captain in the Marine Corps with a buddy back in the day, we hit all the clubs, all the bars. And literally, I woke up every Sunday with a headache and an empty wallet. And I found a lot of shallow kind of relationships. And so one day I just said, I'm done. I am never going out again. God, you have got to find my rib out there. And I stood down cold turkey. I told my buddy, I'm not going out. And God, I was serious. God knew I was serious. And thank God he didn't make me suffer too long. Three months later, she moved into the uh, apartment complex. Uh, But yeah, there's something about trusting God in making the right decision because it's a lifetime decision. And God wants you to be successful. Plus, he's the third member of that marriage. So seek him first. Yes, me. Can I? Whoever. I have so many things. Again. I know. I'm just going to throw out some quick ones really fast and then get a little more meat going on. Um, So men, young men, single men, ask someone out, please, on an official date. So I'm actually really proud of our young adults and our singles because I'm seeing more and more of it. I think for the beginning um, few years in the church, everyone just hung out all the time. We're just hanging out. We're just hanging out. What does that even mean? What does that mean? And then the guy asks you to hang out like seven times. And then then you conclude that she's kind of weird and you stop hanging out. But she's only weird because she doesn't know if you're hanging out or you like her. So she doesn't know how to act. So if you were clear... With your expectations, yes. you may find you might like her. So she's literally only being a weirdo because you haven't been clear. Yes. So if you're clear, all will be well with the world. And I like that I have men standing on that too. And now ladies, ladies, I think Tessa referred to it like the just 
And we're just talking really plainly tonight because we don't have yeah. a lot of time to break it down, but really the desperation of, around being married. You know, it's like you go on date two and you're like writing your name with his last name and you're already dreaming about the dress. Like we need to just like relax and, and just enjoy the journey. You'll never be single again once you're married. And you know, hopefully that's the plan. Um, and so, and you know, just really quickly, I did see the band go, but we don't need mood, mood music. So just, they don't, we don't need that. Um, because we have, we have more feisty things to say, and keys, you know, it might get awkward. But, um, yeah. Might get too romantic. Oh, well, yeah. We, actually, we are ending on the That's sex later. topic, so maybe we should have some mute music or yeah, something. Okay. But, um, so, yeah, so, ladies, just, just enjoy the journey of being single and have fun with... Don't, don't wait to go on vacation. Don't wait to travel. Don't wait to do this or to that or to buy a yes. house. Like, just yes. dominate being single. Just enjoy, enjoy that time. Can um, I say one thing yes, real quick? Yes, please. If you, know it's, if you know it's a go and you love that person, go. Like, stop hanging out for five Thank years you. and yeah. wasting each other's time. Elisa and I met when I was 21. She was 19. Wow. We were a hot mess. And you know what, though? We knew we loved each other after eight weeks. And what was it? A year and a half later, two years later, we got married? Yeah. Yeah. We've been married 23 years. We had to learn on, and we yeah. had to grow together. We, didn't, we weren't perfect, but we knew we loved each other and we wanted to be together. Yeah. I'm gonna, can I touch on the hanging out? Um, okay, I'm going to touch on the hanging out because I love that we have a culture here of after parties yes. and hanging out and, and friends that do things together. But I want to caution you, young adults, when you're always with the same four people, or two people, and you know, you're hanging out and you're watching movies and your legs are hanging out over one another, or you're, you know, laying at each other on the beach and you're, you know, you're Instagramming this. Nobody knows if you're a couple or if you're single and available, okay? It's like Pastor Becky said, DT. Are. Define the relationship, okay? So you're defining it with each other, but then watch what you're putting out there in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when someone goes on a vacation and you're not married yet, we have to watch what we're doing and be careful with that. Wow. I promise yes. the boundaries you set up now, you will not regret when you're married. No. So, good. so good. And uh, can I throw out a few yes. things? Don't travel together if you're not married. Thanks, Don't babe. Instagram how you're in the same hotel at the same resort doing your thing. Like, that's not godly. It's just not. You're putting out a perception that's not right. Um, I was talking to our interns, our male interns the other day, and I was just say, saying it straight. But, like, do the right thing. Like, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? And, yeah, we make mistakes and all that kind of stuff, but just do the right thing. Right. And be a man about it, men. Yeah. Like, if you're going to ask a woman out and you find that things aren't working, have a con be man enough to have a conversation say, hey, this isn't working out. I know we're all in the same church and it can get a little bit awkward, but it's even more awkward if you don't have the conversation. Yes. Yeah. And, and treat the girls like they are a daughter of God. That'll change the way you treat, the way, the way you treat women um, and how you care for them and everything, and everything else. And when you're, when you're dating, set boundaries. Don't get... Don't hang out till 12 midnight and, you know, watching Netflix Nothing and good expect nothing's going to happen. <laughs> like, Nothing stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen, and then you're going to be whatever. So yeah. just, just do the right thing. Yeah. Like, be a man yeah. and treat her right. Yeah. And if it's not working out, have a conversation. Right. Um, anyway. Yeah. When the after parties uh, are over, go home. Yeah. <laughs>
I love it. Two more quick things before we move on. I just wanted to say, and I've preached this before, but I think a lot of times we can get stuck up on finding Mr. or Mrs. Perfect okay. instead of Mr. or Mrs. Right. There is a difference. And so you aren't going to find the perfect end product now because none of us are going to be perfected completely on this side of eternity. So we need to stop looking for Jesus Christ Jr. in the earth. He doesn't exist. And so... But I would say there are some non-negotiables. There are some things you do need to look for. And it, it's actually not a long list. It's not where he shops or does he have style or this or that. It's actually yeah, none of those see. things. All those things are fixed when you get yes. married. So... It's true. And so... Every guy that gets married instantly always, looks better. I know. You're welcome. It's like we're like a doll and they just <laughs> put clothes on us yes. and stuff. You're welcome. I say that... And uh, my non-negotiable list, when I talk to all, like, the singles and they want to know, like, what they need to be looking for yes. when they're finding uh, Mr. and Mrs. Right, not perfect, is are they teachable? Yeah. And will they listen to wise... Like, so teachable, listen to wise counsel, and are they hungry for God? And because, so it, because if they are teachable and they'll listen to wise counsel, they'll hear when they may be off or wrong or going down the wrong path, and they're like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, thank you for telling me. Like, we, you can accomplish anything with someone like that. I think when you have to run is when they are unteachable and they are prideful, and this is for men or women, and they're not in the house of God, pursuing God. Um, and so those, that, my, my non-negotiable list is very short. Yeah. Very short, because God works everything else out when you're pursuing him and being teachable. Can I say, I know we're late, but my 20s dilemma, I have to say it out loud. I've been waiting so long and I'm gonna do research, you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start getting, gathering research. I'm gonna figure this out. Let's go. Let's call it my 20s dilemma. Okay. So men, when you're in your 20s, you wanna date a woman in her 20s. But then you get to your 30s and then you also wanna date a woman in your 20s. And then when you're in your 40s, you still would like to date a woman in her 20s. And I only say this because I've heard this so many times, even in the last month, that this needs to be addressed. And I haven't figured it all out again because I'm going to do some research. But I just want to say, first of all, how very sad it is to me that an entire decade of amazing women are being overlooked because they're not in their 20s any longer. And I'm trying to figure out where this is coming from. One, I think it's because we are in a sex porn saturated generation where those images are ingrained in our brain and we can only be aroused and excited by that image, which is in their 20s. Or I think sometimes, I'm just gonna be honest, I think we can be trained by our mothers. Because our mothers, those mothers of the 30 and the 40 year olds and even the 50 year olds, they were in a generation where it was kind of an unspoken thing that you have children early. You have children when you're 19, 20, 20, and you're done by 25 for sure. So these moms raise these children and this, it's, I think it's like this, uh, just this underlying thing that they think about. Because I've heard, oh, well, I need to date someone in their 20s because I want to have kids still. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, did you know? that you can still have children when you're 30 and you're 40. I had all three of my children in my 30s, and I'm still awesome. Yes. So, so I just, I, 
I really feel like I need to throw that out there. So if you are in men, if you're in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and you are overlooking the women that are actually in your age category, I just want you to ask your heart, what is it? Why do I feel this way? Why, why do I think this way? Because I really would love these amazing, mature, powerhouse women who you don't have to raise because they are in their 30s and their 40s. They can add so much to your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'll, I'll conclude later after my research, but I needed to. Yes, let's get into the last topic. The sex topic. Boom. This is after you're married, people. So, so tell us, what's don't God's have design? Sex tell us, babe. Before you're married, because that's not God's design. If you guys heard uh, Pastor Leanne's message a couple of weeks ago, she talked about this, and she talked about if we would just do the do not commit adultery commandment, one of the 10 commandments, how much better the world would be. If you would just sleep with one person, your spouse. Yeah, your spouse. So she said there would be no STDs. She's, right now, 50% of teens have an STD that they're gonna have for the rest of their lives. Um, there would be no out of wedlock children, um, which means children being raised with two parents, which would then reduce the amount of people in jail, yeah. which would then reduce your taxes and you would save money. <laughs> um, there would be no objectification of women, which means there would be no pornography, no sex trafficking. There would be uh, no sexual abuse. I mean, how rampant is that? And it's all because people are not following God's rules, God's commandments. So if, and that's just one. Those are just, I just touched on them, but she went through this whole thing if we just did that one commandment. And so we want to talk about sex in marriage because sex is a wonderful thing that God designed for us to do, but he designed it to do in a marriage relationship. And so um, don't have sex before you're married and then have tons of it for the rest of your life. Wow, <laughs> um, babe. <laughs> but that's my advice, but whatever. Uh, So one of the things that the De Lorenzos are amazing at is talking about this and talking about sex in marriage. And, and you guys have something that you've um, talked about, which is the intimacy lifestyle. Yeah. And so can you guys touch on that for all the married folks and the to-be-married folks? So Elise and I have been married 23 years, and I'm just going to give a real quick rundown how we came up to this point in our lives, real quick. So 11 years into our marriage, we were, about, we were looking at divorce for the second time in our lives. We had a really rough first 11 years of our marriage. What you see now wow. is honestly through the grace of God. Yeah. So I mean, truly, his blessing on our lives. And so at 11 years, we were looking at um, either A, getting divorced now, getting divorced once the kids hit 18 or getting radical in our lives. What we ended up doing was getting radical in our lives. And after completing a 60 day sex challenge where, yeah, you can, you can like cl clap on that one. That was pretty amazing for, for, for a guy to, to do that. It, it was truly amazing. It wasn't just the physical that really brought us together. That's what we thought it was going to be. That's what I thought it was going to be all about. And it was really just the connection with Elisa, the emotional connection. We were, we were opening up. We were getting real with each other again. And after that finish, though, we were like, it's break time. Like, we got to take a break because we're tired. And yet at the same time, we're like, we don't want this to end. And so what do we do? And we, we came up with what's called the intimacy lifestyle. And this is a way for Elisa and I 
and many in the one family who we've shared with, you know, thousands of couple of couples around the world is how to keep your sexual intimacy at the forefront because life is going to happen. We all know, you know, you have a baby, you, you, parents pass away, or there's, there's friends who are getting sick, and life happens. And one of the first things that we realized is that our sexual intimacy can just go by the wayside. And not just for like a week. It go by the wayside for like months. Well, and I just want to add, Hollywood has done a really great job of letting us all believe that it should be um, completely spontaneous with the lights down low and the music playing and your hair and makeup is perfect and there are rose petals on the bed. And, and the reality is, for those of you that aren't married, the reality is, is that once you get married, it's not always like that. <laughs> Sorry to burst anybody's bubble. Um, that's just truth. And so how do you, I mean, this is, this is our gift to one another, mm-hmm. right? And, and we're so intentional about our fitness Right? We're so intentional about our finances. We're so intentional about our career. But why have we as a society said, you know what? Mwah, it's just got to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't happen. It, it's, right. it's the last thing on the to-do list. And then at 10 o'clock, you're like, I'm too tired. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too right. tired. And that's, I mean, I, I coach and I hear that all the time. And I'm like, I told, I distinctly told one woman in this church and it changed her marriage. I said, you give God the first 10%. Why are you not doing the same thing for your husband? I'm just saying. It's a game changer when you do that in your marriage. Yeah. So, we, so the way we began to set this up, so that way we could be intimate on a weekly basis, we started looking at this and we looked at our calendars because all of us have our calendars. We're looking at them all the time. And so Elise and I had to have a hard conversation. First and foremost, you guys got to get open, honest, and transparent about your sexual intimacy. You're having it. Like, let's just talk about it. And so Elise and I really just sat there and said, hey, in the perfect world, how many times a week would we like to have sex? And we we sat down and we said this. And we we looked at each other and we decided, hey, two times a week for us would be awesome. For you guys, it may be one time a week. It may be four times a week. Whatever it works for you guys. But this is a conversation that you as husband and wife have to have. Because if you don't, how do you know? We're just guessing, right? We're like, well, he should know that I want sex tonight. Or she should know that I want to have sex tonight. And really, you just start butting heads and you you end up not having sex. So that's not what we want you to be having. We want you to have lots of sex. So the way we decided to do this is Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, I have the opportunity to initiate on one of those days. Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, Elisa has the opportunity to initiate on one of those days. Saturday is a no day or a bonus day. And the reason... Bonus day. You got to be intentional. This is gold, you guys. This is gold. And so the, the reason we split this up, for the first 11 years of our marriage, I was always the pursuer. I was always asking. Sometimes I felt like I was begging. Really. Most of the time I was rejected. And there have been studies done that rejection, the words that we speak, when, when, when we reject somebody, it's like being cut. It's like a physical hurt. And so you get rejected enough, you realize like, man, do I really want to go down that road again? And I know many of you can understand where I'm at. We're, we're there. So Lisa and I had to figure this out. And the reason we split that up is because I began to tell her, I'm like, hey, honey, I need to know that you desire me. Wow. Like, I need you to know, I need to know that you want me is in back and forth. And so what we've come to realize after doing this now for 11 years, mm-hmm. we've been doing this. So it, it and we 
pretty much on target for 11 years, twice a week. Yes, sometimes if it's not going to happen, we have to have those hard conversations. We can't just walk away. We can't just go, it's not going to happen right now. Like, and not tell one another why. Because life is going to happen right now. Um, I think it's one of, the, one of the bigger tests we're in. Our boy blew out his knee playing football Friday night, last Friday night. Um, MCL, ACL tear. And he, we love him. Like, we love him. We love both of our kids. And when things like that happen, or even when my dad passed away two and a half years ago, when those things happen, it's so easy for us to just be in a place of pain and hurt. And, and we want to just go into our own little shells. And yet, being part of the, and doing part of doing the intimacy lifestyle, we constantly have to engage each other. Right. We have to romance one another. We have to initiate one another, and it helps to like break up all that stuff that's sort of going on inside of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so yeah, good. go for it, babe. No, nah, it's so good. All right. <laughs> I, I think it's really so, good. It's so important. It's a lot, I know, yeah. but it's yeah. it's no. something I truly believe that just if you could do this marriages. when you're married, this this will save your marriage. When we were in premarital, they taught us. Do you remember what they taught us? The three things sex work was created for: protection, mm-hmm. intimacy. <laughs> no, okay, so God. <laughs> one track mind. I don't know. <laughs> so, many years ago, many years ago, procreation. To enjoy one another, to to express love to one another, to be connected to one another, two, to create babies. Yeah. Be, you know, multiply, fill the earth. And then three, to protect your marriage. Because the Bible says when it's talking about to, to refrain from having sex, it talks about the only way you should really do that is to separate to pray. Yeah. Right? You tell right. about that scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, separate to pray only for a short time yes. so that the Come devil on. doesn't get a foothold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sex so is actually tempted. protection for your marriage. Yeah. And that's why what they're saying is so important. And so we actually... Important. We actually learned this from them, and we yeah. do it ourselves. It's yeah. kind of fun because you're like, I wonder if this tonight's the night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, brush my hair, you know. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and I just want to add, it is never too early in your marriage to start being intentional about your sex life yeah. because we hear all the time from couples that have been married um, as short as two weeks that their marriage is not going well and it's not going well around this area. And to that end, I would say if you're, in, if you're in a marriage and any form of intimacy, but specifically sexual intimacy is not going well, then get help. Yeah. Yeah. This, is not something to, yeah. this is not something to like just bear and be like, oh, okay, we'll figure it out ourselves, but instead yeah. just go, I, we need to get help yeah. around yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just incredible. And I think so much, I think, Really, when you talk to people, marriage, a lot of times marriages end over, there's two things, like frustration over this area and finances. Yep. <laughs> and so um, I think Pastor Leanne said it once when she was preaching on um, marriage and family. Um, when you get married, you hand over the keys to that person, like you, their sex life to them. So they, they are the only one that can drive that car. Yeah. <laughs> and if you never, like they completely have the keys. And what if you never wow. engage? Yeah. Like, you are supposed to be the only one that can do those things wow. for them. Yeah. And, and you made that vow, that covenant. And then so it would be amiss of us if we did not um, do what, the, what God created sex to be, for enjoyment, for love, for connection. Um, 
and obviously having babies, but you know, to protect our marriages and our relationships are worth fighting for. And these things are worth talking about if they're not going out. Any of these areas, whether it's in your parenting, and I know a lot of times you can hide behind shame or you know, just being embarrassed. Like, can we just say, like, this is the house of God. If we can't bring our ish to the house of God and get wisdom and count, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Obviously share with, the, with, with trusted people that, that have wisdom and fruit in their lives, not just anybody. But um, that's why the church is here. The church has got to get this stuff right. We are the light of the world. And, um, and, and we, are, we want to partner with you in your parenting, in your relationships, wisdom on dating, you know, marriage stuff. This is, this is why we do these panels, because we love you and want you to have incredible relationships from, from the littles to our, our partner for life. So, Yeah, there's too many great people in our church for us to have like a terrible marriage or be a terrible parent or not know how to raise kids or not know how to date. Like there's too many, too many great people, so it's just up to us. And um, I think... I think that's about it. Obviously, one quick thing on the intimacy lifestyle. Obviously, there are seasons when maybe there's an injury or sickness or something like that. Like, we're not saying, you know, you have to, you know what I'm saying? Like, just be aware. Yeah, be smart. Um, So. Well, I I think we should pray over. Pray over everyone, and then what we're gonna do? We're just—I just want to—we're just gonna close out in prayer, and and then we're gonna have our ministry team up here. If anything just kind of got sparked in you today, we don't want you to leave, you know, having those things still wrestling on the inside of you. So just feel free to come forward and get prayer and and all of that, and and also. Um, we never want to dismiss a service without giving people an opportunity to uh, reconnect with Jesus or maybe connect with him for the first time. Maybe you're, you're here for the first time or someone invited you, and you, you, you don't even know how to you know, function, let alone deal with any of the things we were talking about. And all you know is that you need to get your life right with God. And so if you're here tonight and, and you know you need to get your life right with God, we have some really amazing people in our church. They're going to turn the light on here in a second. But we have a response lounge. It's not a creepy room. It's not weird. There's really nice furniture. and Morgan actually nice plays people. Jesus in Hero, so he's yeah. right there. And just we're going to have some of our team in there just be like, hey, I want to invite Jesus into my life. Like, and, and we want to give you a Bible. We want to give you a book and just kind of pray with you, answer any questions that you have and kind of help you on your journey. But we would really love to, to do that for you. But before we pray, let's thank our... Yeah, can we thank these guys? Panel. How good was that? Actually, before we dismiss, Charles, will you actually just pray over everybody? We'd love for you to close out this service. Sure. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. God, as we go into Thanksgiving this year, you know, let us just reflect on all that we have to be thankful for. God, you've given us the greatest book of wisdom, the Bible. God, you've given us your son, Jesus, that accomplished everything he set out to do and gave us victory. God, you've given us the Holy Spirit, our coach, our guide, that helps us to do well in this life. God, you've given us your church. God, thank you for this opportunity to be in your church, in your house, to worship you. And God, thank you for relationships. God, we were meant to do life together, to call out the greatness in one another, to help each other when we stumble and fall. So God, thank you for this this service where we touched on whether you're single, you're engaged, you're married, you know, you want your sex life to be better. God, every area of life, you meant to be fruitful 
And God, thank you for every single thing that you've done in us and through us. This next year is gonna be one of Jubilee. God, if we have the right perspective, God, you want us to win, and God, we are gonna win. So thank you for every man, woman, child that's in here today. God, bless them, let them know how much you love them, and God, you are for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 